Welcome back, Power Collectors, to another episode of the video game slabbed and graded market, formerly known as game investing. Today's episode is a continuation of last night to help you understand variants, and it's dedicated to Vinny and his comic book buddies thinking about jumping into the game. So let's take a look at Heritage Signature Session 2, which is going to start August 6th, 2022. Today's August 5th. We just had a couple world records go off, including the most valuable fighting game of all time, a.k.a. Super Smash by Nintendo, where you get to beat each other up with Nintendo characters. And the other game that uh, it didn't set a world record, but it did surprise was a Zelda third print that I talked about yesterday, in fact. And it did quite well for a third print. And if you think about a third print being sixth print overall, if you include three Famicom prints and three NTSE prints, if you're new to the hobby, I use a lot of jargon that you might not understand. You can just Google NTSE video games and you'll get it. It's basically the American market. But when we say the American market, we're generally generally referring to retail at the usa level and most likely the 48 states maybe hawaiian alaska i'm not sure about places like puerto rico etc the market as a whole if you're new to the channel is divided up into basically graded ungraded and sealed and unsealed and generally the bulk of the market cap or the valuable stuff adding up all the games in the world the top of the curve all the valuable games are usually going to be sealed video games in cardboard boxes by nintendo slab by wada games that's generally what's going to rule the market so i would say after today just as predicted super smash and zelda are not going down whereas you've seen a lot of other titles ips games variants take a hit today There's no need to talk about the negativity. Let's talk about education and variant knowledge. If you're new to the channel, I have three rules in video game collecting investing. Number one, learn your variants. That could be a lifelong pursuit. You could go down a rabbit hole of stuff like inserts, warranty cards, battery save sheets, cassette versus discs, boxes, different variants of print runs, date codes. You could spend your whole life studying this stuff. Or you could try to focus on the, what I call super heavies, the games that really matter. And if you get those down pat, most likely it will be easier to understand later print runs and variants. And the first thing you're going to come across is round versus oval. So if you do a little search by NES, we're going to continue with NES today on best match at ha.com which is free to join and you can get a color catalog every couple months for the big signatures that rule the market kind of like the psa 10 mickey mantle will be ruling the market in a few weeks or the honus wagner got everyone's attention on vintage this week or maybe action comics going off for three five six million getting everyone's attention that's kind of how video games are every couple months we have a signature auction at ha.com heritage auctions and If you see records go off, you're going to see that uh, there's a little bit of a, I would call that a halo effect that prevents, that usually prevents derivatives such as lower grades of the same game, maybe a later print run in a higher grade from dropping in value. And let me ask you a question. 
how many collectors out there, how many speculators, investors, dealers out there enjoy it when their collections are going down? I don't enjoy that. And full disclosure, I just had my first heritage piece ever. I just uh, had a GTA greatest six, 9.8, a plus plus top of the pop. It's not first print, of course not, but it still made the first day of heritage. It went off for, I think, 600. If I get the full hammer price, that would mean I took a $150 loss on that piece because I think I bought that for 750 on Heritage, but it's not half off. So I'm happy, right? But overall, I don't think any collector, a pure collector, a set collector, doesn't really enjoy it when everything is dropping. Now, maybe they got in before the bubble, so they're just laughing. And uh, the prices they got in at are so low that even if things come down 50% from 2021, they don't technically lose money. But the way I look at it, why not think like an investor and pick things that truly are undervalued, that have long-term potential? And right now, if you're thinking about long-term potential, basically you have to make a decision on what you're going to bet on based on non-nostalgia. In other words, if you're betting on, let's say, historical or artwork or dynamic or the franchise or the IP or the publisher or the maker, whatever it may be, a factor other than nostalgia because nostalgia powered the bubble, nostalgia powered growth over the last 20 years, nostalgia will continue to power you can choose nostalgia on Nintendo Switch or maybe some modern stuff, but we've seen a lot of modern come down. So I really believe in the long run that earlier is always going to be better and timelines are important to study and historical might be undervalued. And that's my opinion. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a CPA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not a lawyer. So this is my opinion under freedom of speech following the game market for over a decade. So let's get back to the signature. I guess this is going to be called Session 2, which starts uh, August 6th, I do believe around 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific. Maybe that's going to be, um, I'm not sure what Eastern time that is, but it's earlier, right? Is that uh, 11 a.m. or is that 12 noon? I'm not quite sure, but it's a good idea to go to ha.com and familiarize yourself with the calendar because you can see out one year for all the auctions coming up. Just hover over bid buy, click on auction schedule on the left-hand side, drill down on video games, and you can see all the auctions that are coming up. You can even see some games that are coming up months from now and place your bets early. That's really, really smart. If you had placed your bets on Zelda or Super Smash months ago, on the two thick, thick sales combined over a half million dollars, you would be playing really smart defense like Michael Jordan, as well as potential potent offense. And that's smart. If you can become a two-way player, protect the downside with an upside, now you're thinking smarter collecting investing, right? So let's look at Mega Man because that pops up under best match, Mega Man 2, Mega Man 3, Mega Man 4. And remember Vinny yesterday, Actually, today in Clubhouse, someone said, I think it was Joseph Leo, shout out to Joseph Leo for all the work he does on date codes, components, timelines. 
We really appreciate your knowledge that you share with us in Clubhouse. Even though you don't collect graded, graded games, you have more knowledge because you've dug into the game. When we're talking slabs, we don't dig into the game unless we're like a superpower collector like Josh Byerly, where we have multiple copies we can dig into and collect that slab on the shelf. Most of us can't really afford that and don't have the time. Time is the most valuable asset on the planet. Investing isn't about money. It's about investing time first or having a relationship with a master that you can walk you through a decade of knowledge by holding your hand or advising you during one of these heavy auctions. Do you have a master on your side? If you want to learn more about masters, click down to the podcast called The Power Pyramid, where I lay out all the players in the industry. And those are the relationships that you want to have if you're becoming a collector investor. So Mega Man 1 is definitely a heavy. So first place to stop is watergames.com if you don't have a master. And then go to the pop report, click on NES, click on the plus symbols under Mega Man, Mega Man 2, Mega Man 3. The reason I brought this up is a shout out to Dan or Dan Riga and Joseph Leo who mentioned the transition between round SOQ and oval SOQ. As we went over yesterday, SOQ means seal of quality by Nintendo. That was a reaction to the Atari crash where a lot of kids were buying games based on the artwork. And uh, Nintendo purposely dumbed that down thanks to Gil Tilden. She's a goat, hands down a goat. She might be the goat in terms of American Nintendo. She, uh, you know, she was the entrepreneur just like Valerie. An entrepreneur is an entrepreneur that works under a corporate umbrella. And she brought us Nintendo power. She spread education far and wide. She also remarketed and rebranded the Famicom and a lot of the stuff such as um, the coloring, the console. Um, and I'm, I know she's involved in other stuff. I don't know her complete history and development, but I know that her finger is on a lot of American Nintendo development. So on Mega Man, you're going to notice three variants that say round SOQ and one that says oval. So that right there means that somewhere in the timeline, Mega Man changed. So since we know that Mega Man 1 went from round to oval, I would assume Mega Man 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 are all ovals. And yes, they are. Mega Man 2 has an SOQR, SOQTM. So Mega Man 2 is in that range between, is it 8990? Let's look at Heritage. Mega Man 2, WADA, 9.2B+, oval SOQTM with offer. What's the date on it? It's 1989, right next to it. Mega Man 3, 1990 with an SOQR. So that verifies Joseph Leo. Now, remember, on Heritage, we're talking about the box. Joseph is talking about carts and manuals. And there are cases where you see an oval cart with a round box. And I can't remember what the title was, but it might have been Contra. I think Contra has a round box and an oval cart. So somehow Contra was produced in that kind of I'm going to call that really the end of the Silver Age. I, It's hard to say. I mean, is the 90s the Silver Age? I don't know. I don't know how to do it on comic books because I don't know comic books at all. Definitely the Golden Age is the genesis of home, home video games. So that's from your cabinet, your coin ops, which started in a bar, by the way, in Silicon Valley. It was not an arcade. It was a, literally a bar for adults to gamble and speculate how much time they could buy dumping quarters into a machine. That's where gaming started after being developed in the uh, MIT lab on the East Coast and then brought over 
a pirated copy was brought over to the Silicon Valley Art- Artificial Intelligence Lab. From there, you know, Atari broke in. The founder of Atari broke into a computer lab. He saw Space War. He went out and tried to develop Space War as a cabinet. That failed. And then he just went for Pong because Pong was simple as best, right? The Pong machine blew up with quarters. They thought it broke, but apparently there was too many quarters in it, and it was an overnight hit. And that's my first experience with gaming as a kid um, in terms of outside of Game & Watch or Mattel handheld football was seeing Pong on the adult side of a cafe up the dead-end road I live at. I'm sure you've heard this before. It was just such a rush. I mean, we were gambling at age 8 or 10 or whatever it was. It was in the 70s. It was such a rush to drop a quarter into a machine that had, like, buttons. I mean, little boys love buttons. I loved buttons. I loved cars, motorcycles, go-karts. I love the buttons on arcades. I'm an arcade gamer. I'm not an NES gamer. I'm an arcade gamer. I love pizza joints, restaurants, bars, you know, wherever there's an arcade cabinet, I'm going to love that joint. So back to Mega Man, we're talking about the genesis from the round generation to the oval generation. And if you look at it, if you look at it ending in 1989-90, you're really only talking about five years of American dev that is quote-unquote early cardboard. When we say cardboard in this hobby, we're talking about cardboard boxes. And usually that would include Sega Genesis, which actually comes in plastic clamshells. So it's kind of like saying wax boxes. If you're coming over from sports cards, you say wax boxes even though the packs are probably foil. Unless you're like me and you started in 86, 7, 8, 9. uh, And you actually bought FLIR packs that were actually wax packs. But generally it's kind of like wax. Same with vinyl records. You call that wax. Um, So cardboard is really the heavy stuff in the hobby. And that's what we're talking about today. Cardboard variants. So there you go. There you have it. Is it a round or an oval? You can break the oval up into SOQ, TM before R. TM always comes before R. No TM always comes before TM. That's a legal thing. Small company doesn't have a trademark. Medium company has a trademark. Large company actually received approval after registering that trademark. So it's always a calendar progression. It's always a linear progression. SOQR is always going to be last, but like you asked in Clubhouse, Vinny, it does not mean there was an earlier round. That's only for games that I do believe were produced in the 88, 89, 90 realm or something like a super heavy Mario that was produced for nine years all the way from the mid 80s through to 89, 90. Mega Man 4, Oval SOQR. So the only Mega Man that has a round in an oval is Mega Man 1. Mega Man 2 has a SOQR preceded by a TM. And then there's an R on Mega Man 3. And 4, 5, 6 are all ovals. Nothing complicated there. So we're done with Mega Man. Metroid. This is another one that came up under Best Match. Now, Best Match on Heritage means there's a lot of eyeballs on these pieces before the auction. That means they're important. They're historically important. They're nostalgic-wise important. Value-wise, they're important. That also means they're scarce. The question is, are they rare? So let's take a look. We got a Metroid 90A sealed OVO SOQTM. So I know just from my experience that the rarest of rare on the silver boxes, three of them, that some people include in the 17 black box launch set, this would be kind of like the 86 FLIR set in sports cards or the first edition Pokemon set in Pokemon cards. 
it's hang tabs, right? So does Metroid have a hang tab? No. The one at Heritage is not a hang tab. It's a SOQTM later production. So see, SOQTM might be a mid-production on certain titles that were earlier in the timeline. But for this one, if you pull up the pop report, you've got one hang tab, six sealed copies in the world out of seven. So 10% or less of the sealed copies in the world are hang tabs. That's going to be your early stuff. I'm guessing that's 88 or 87, wild guess. I don't want to make this a two-hour podcast and do that research. You can check it. Is the hang tab Metroid 1987, 8? I doubt if it's 9. Because you've got a Rev A Classic that's going to be last. Oval SOQR, that'll be after TM. Then you got the TM warranty, TM warranty with Canada. I assume the Canada comes after. And then you got the round SOQ Rev A. That, to me, sounds like a flat back. So you've got... Unfortunately, they don't put round on the hang tab in the pop report, but I do believe that's a round. So you got two rounds, a couple TMs, ovals, and then an R oval, and then the classic series release I do believe would be last. There's a debate in the hobby whether we call reprints, the stuff like Greatest Hits, Classic Series, the stuff that really sells over a million copies and then uh, Nintendo just mass produces it with a light you know, a light stripe across the front or PlayStation puts like a green coloring on the left. Um, you know, Xbox will put like a, a gray thing across the top called Platinum Hits. These could be considered reprints. Um, to me, a reprint is something that comes way later. Like if you're from sports cards, when you talk about a reprint, Mickey Mantle rookie, a reprint, Michael Jordan rookie, it usually comes out several years after. But if it's, consecutive in the date line i feel like it's just another variant so that's a debate in the hobby that we're still trying to figure out Vinny. um i don't know where reprints really land but i would never in i would never encourage someone to invest in a reprint i would never encourage someone to invest in anything late the name of the game is following is following the timeline all the way back and trying to figure out what is the best earliest copy you can afford so generally, that is not going to include reprints. So down the list, we also have Mike Tyson Punch-Out. And this is really cool because we just had an 8.0 first print go off for a piddly, uh, I don't know, five grand maybe? I'm not signed in. Let's see if I can sign in and see this price. This just went off a few hours ago. Yeah, it went off for a little over five grand. That's a steal. That's a steel long run because there are no sealed copies and there was only one sealed copy spotted on Instagram and a little video by a guy who buys out storage units. And um, I've messaged him 10 times. It's a little box of uh, sealed Nintendo games and they've disappeared. Haven't seen them for two or three years. So there's one sighting of the White Bullets unicorn. What is White Bullets for Tyson? It's the first print in America, of the first celebrity-endorsed game. Yes, there's a Pele soccer for Atari in the 70s. Yes, there's some other sports games that are licensed by the MLB, you know, NBA possibly, and on television, all that. We're talking about, like, Nintendo actually signed, a, I think, a personal contract with Tyson. I'm not sure what happened on the Pele game, but I think that is underrated as well. And then right next to it, you've got an oval, 96A+, plus that went off for what? 100 grand? Yeah. So on Tyson, you're seeing late print go off for big money. Ignoring earlier is better, right? On uh, Mike Tyson, 
unfortunately, I think the problem is a lack of knowledge and education. Because if you go to the pop report, if you're new to the hobby, you're bidding on Tyson, you only see three variants on the pop report. You don't see white bullets. So you probably don't even know what white bullets is. And you may not know that white bullets has an anomaly cartridge. You may not know that it was a corrected um, box design on the cartridge label as well as the box itself. Those are the bullet points below the P in punch out. Kind of, you know, selling the game. And if you look at the pop report, you see, well, three orange bullets. And you think to yourself, well, orange bullets must be, you know, that must be the best print. Then you see oval SOQTM, round SOQ. So SOQTM would be last. What went off today? Must be an SOQTM, right? Yeah. This does not mean there's an R. That means that this was the end of the print run. What does it say on the water label as far as dates go? It says 87, but that's misleading because this was not printed in 87. It was not produced in 87. If you look on the back and you zoom into the bottom, entertainment system or registered trademarks of Nintendo of America right there. That's a that's what I was talking about yesterday, Vinny. The TM after entertainment system, this is what it means. Nintendo and Nintendo Entertainment System are registered trademarks of Nintendo of America, Inc. That means it's an R for the hardware. But for this particular game in 1989, it just made the window of SOQTM. So I believe there's no oval R's on Tyson. There's a round SOQ. There's orange bullets. And then there's white bullets, which would be earlier. And if you look at the pop report, you got over half of them are ovals. So looking at that, I would never invest in an oval, but somebody disagrees with me today and dropped a hundred grand on this oval because it's a 9.6 A plus. And if you look at the pop report, that is really not a trophy because you've got four nine eights. That's an investment grade game. I would probably save a hundred thousand dollars and try to buy a trophy such as was it uh, Mario Kart 64 that went off today for under 100 grand? That Mario Kart 64 could end up being a trophy. We just don't know if 9.8s are going to come out. Let's see if we can find any other borderline games to learn more. Maybe let, let me see if I could learn something. Let's look at Ninja Gaiden because it's 1989. Let's check that out. That's right there in the border borderline. Well, unfortunately, there's only one print run, 40 graded copies as of March. And that's not anywhere near a trophy or a unicorn at 96. Well, 968 plus. Yeah, there's 10 of those. There's three nine eights. That's really not a trophy. That's an investment grade game. And what did it go off for? It went off for $7,000. Definitely not a trophy. Um, let's see. Bidding is closed. Bidding is closed. Oh, here we go. This is something interesting. We have punch out non by the way, uh, Tyson had a lot of trouble back in the day. He went to jail. He was accused of rape. And uh, Nintendo pulled his contract is really the long story, short version of that. And the following year, they made Punch-Out. Not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but just Punch-Out. It's kind of misleading with a red bar across the top. But I think what they're saying is we're kind of reprinting, remaking, remastering this game and substituting in a certain player for uh, Tyson. It was called Mr. Dream. Tyson's character was replaced by Mr. Dream. And the question is, is there TM and R or what, what is out there? So Mike Tyson's Punch-Out ended with the Oval Q, Oval SOQ TM. Punch-Out straight 
made in Japan and WADA doesn't even designate whether it's a T TM or R. I'm going to zoom in. So what you do is you zoom in on the lower right. You look at the Nintendo seal of quality. You see either a R or a TM and there's an R and a Reve. So in the early timeline, in the genesis of the Silver Age, an R with a Reve and an oval, that's late. But in a game like this, that's the first print. Okay. So it really depends on when it was made. Was it made before 1989 or made after 1989? Is it cardboard or is it a plastic DVD case? Is it a disc? Is it a cartridge? Just try to divide everything into two and then divide that into two and then divide that into two. And then you'll end up at what is early, what is I can afford. Is there anything else? This is all bidding is closed, which is so funny. I typed in NES WADA, I typed in bid buy, and everything that's coming up is, is just closed, 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 closed. So let's try to look at earliest and do a little bit more here since we uh, have some more time. Let's see what's coming up the pipeline. We've got a Mega Man 6. We know that's a late. Okay, here we go. Full disclosure, this is actually my game, huh? What the heck? Why is that there? Okay, that doesn't matter. Um, bidding is closed. Bidding is closed. What the heck? Everything says bidding is closed. Okay, finally, I'm down here. This is what I wanted to talk about. Um, let's talk about matte sticker. Can you afford sealed matte stickers? No, but if you're willing to go CIB, tomorrow is going to be a kid in a candy store moment for the black box matte sticker, gloss sticker, test market collectors. We have a duck hunt matte sticker. Now, how do you know that's a matte sticker? Well, first of all, you look at the top middle and you see some sort of residue from a half circle, and that was the seal itself. The next thing is after Entertainment System, there's no TM, and then on the back, there's no code in the upper left. So that's the same thing that you're going to see across the board on Test Market. So tomorrow, you have a Duck Hunt 8.5. You've got an Excite Bike 6.5. You've got a Gyromite 8.0. Now that's a double mat. The theory on that is when something came back and it was pristine, like maybe the person bought it, cut it open, didn't like the game, played it once and returned it. The theory is the retail outlet would put another mat sticker over the sliced mat sticker and it became a double mat. The market has yet to value that with any uh, premium. Long run, I have no idea. I think it depends on the buyer. I mean, there might be a very eccentric collector out there that wants as many double mats as they can. I don't know. Pinball, 8.0 CIB mat. Now, remember, these are all CIB. If you're new to the hobby, CIB means complete in box. It mean, Complete means a matching cartridge and manual with the box. So if it's not matching, it will get an IMP grade, which means improperly married parts and we're talking about wada nobody legitimate is doing cib yet except for a small company called i think vvg or vgg i can't remember they're doing cib and cgc might do cib but they're uh they're um also trying to do 40 consoles so i have no idea if cib is going to get rolled out completely or not there's a tennis mat coming up so this really is an amazing auction we got a wild gunman mat coming up in a few hours a wrecking crew mat coming up there's eight well, there's actually seven mats. My buddy bought the mat, Mario Brothers, today. Thank God that's still in the family. Um, there's seven mats coming up tomorrow. 
And when you bid on a mat, here is my advice to Vinny and your friends. Make sure you read every single word on the back of the WADA label so that you can see things like water damage, uh, missing a tab on the box, ripped manual. There's a couple pieces in tomorrow's auction that have what I call significant damage. I do believe I remember a ripped manual. Now, if you can upgrade that manual, that's kind of like buying a muscle car that needs a, you know, a new uh, seat upholstery or something like that, and you know you can fix it and make it pristine. That's a great project. Let's type in gloss. So we have a beautiful Donkey Kong 3 WADA 7.0 CIB gloss, first production. Now, there you go. There's an anomaly in the timeline, right? What the heck? What the heck is a gloss first production? Now, the first thing most people are going to do is go to the pop report. And unfortunately, you're not going to find a lot of data on sealed Donkey Kong 3. And we're still waiting for CIB. You can take a guess, but you are not going to see matte gloss on the pop report. So you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, if that's not on the pop report, how could that be first? Well, some black box games started with gloss and not matte. And that is proof that matte came first. Do you have any first print gloss sealed copies of a Nintendo black box game? If you know me, I pretty much go for early CIBs over sealed, so I've never owned a sealed, but I think I had a gloss excite bike CIB back in the day that uh, the founder of Collecticon sold me for 400 bucks. I think I flipped it for 800. I think back in the day I had a gloss SMB1 I might have bought for three or four and flipped it for five, but I haven't had a lot of gloss compared to matte, and I think that's just perception. I think I just perceived matte as a better target. So it's kind of like when you're about to buy a new car and you've kind of decided in your mind you're going to go get a, a whatever it is, a Subaru or Toyota or a Chevrolet. And then suddenly you keep seeing a whole bunch of those on the highway, on the roads. It's because your brain is is locked into the perception that that's a good thing. So if you're hunting down mats, you're going to see more of them. If you're hunting down gloss, you're going to see more of them. But long run, I would say based on the last several years that CIB early test market is one of the least volatile positions in the hobby. And you don't need to learn a lot of variant knowledge. I mean, the hang tab stuff, the code stuff, the TM stuff, doesn't matter. You just look at the top middle of the box. If it has that little, you know, residual half circle, if you're really smart, you can look at the top of the box, leave it up to water to decide whether that's matte or gloss. Gloss is obviously shiny. Matte is a little dull. You're going to be fine long run because these are kind of like the first year Pokemon sets or the 52 tops you know, baseball set or the 86 Fleer basketball set. These type of sets have the least volatility. And they basically provide protection against the downside. In a market that's dropping, I think it's a smart play. That's my opinion, freedom of speech. Let's take a look at gloss. Um, the Donkey Kong 3, once again, if you didn't know you're a newbie, you're new to the hobby, new to the podcast, the first thing you do is pull it up at watergames.com population backslash NES and you see well wait a second I don't see a matte or a gloss Donkey Kong 3. Donkey Kong 3 was kind of a Galaga-esque shooter so it's not really a Donkey Kong game but 
it is a black box and any black box is worth collecting i think the black box set is going to be the first registry set in our hobby and i believe that that's something being talked about at the high levels of psa and wada how are we going to do a dynamic pop report and integrate that with a psa registry set um, back end, which is something that I just got an email from PSA saying this person has the highest registry set for this particular collectible. And that's a, that's a super flex. You know, Gary V talks about a flex. We all buy stuff. We all do this stuff. We all create stuff, take pictures, post because we're flexing. We're hoping to get likes. We're hoping to make friends. We're hoping to impress people secretly. That's why in the early days of Instagram, good looking people did the best because they get the most flex. CIB black boxes, they're not a big flex, but a registry set would definitely be a flex in the hobby. And I think that it might even get a little bit of respect from the old guard that used to collect, uh, used to be completist collectors or across the board. You're not going to probably get a registry set of five to 800 to 1,000 titled libraries, but Man, that 17-piece black box set with, let's just say, 20 with the silvers is is probably going to be the first um, grail set we see in the hobby. And I can't wait to see that day. Is it going to be a, across the board fives, across the board sevens? Or is it going to be an amazing set that's like eight and 8.5 and nine across the board? That would be incredible. And I would I would gander that it's okay to mix and match CIB with sealed if you can't find it and you're trying to put together a matte set or a gloss set. So for Donkey Kong 3, there's a couple hang tabs. There's one, two, three there. NES code, NESTM. I mean, does it even matter? There's seven sealed copies on the planet as far as a uh, hang tab goes. And nine of them period have ever been graded. I mean, does it even matter whether it's an NESTM versus an NES code? I don't think so. I think it's just hang tab. So all stickers are hang tabs, right? I don't like to call sticker hang tabs. I think a sticker is either matte or gloss, and then you got your hang tabs, but that's just my opinion. When you say hang tab, to me, that means it's not a sticker. Because if it's a sticker, you would say it's a sticker. So I think we really need to move to break out early into two camps. Just like we break out the whole black box into oval versus round, we should break out early into hang tab versus test market. And you break test market down into matte gloss, you break hang tab down into no TM versus TM or whatever it might be, no Rev A versus Rev A. Just break everything in half, Vinny, and then break it in half again. We got an Excite Bike hang tab three code. Okay, whatever. Three code. What does that even mean? I think we talked about this yesterday. Excite Bike has 28 sealed copies graded through March and three hang tabs. I mean, does it even matter which hang tab it is? No. There's only three sealed copies on the planet. It's a 6.5 B plus. Really curious to see how that goes. 8.0 CIB gloss sticker, second production Kung Fu. You don't even need to drill down on that. Just believe me, Valerie and her team are diligent. They rarely make mistakes when they say first or second production or early. They will err on the side of caution. If it's unclear whether it's first, second, or third, they might say early, but it's clear here. It's a second. So Kung Fu has a mat. 8.0 gloss, beautiful. I'm not drilling down on defects or what I call qualifiers coming over from sports cards. If you're from sports cards, printing errors, printing, you know, in, in video games, that's going to be like 
writing impressions on the box, water damage, mold, um, ripped manual, rip in the box, hole in the back. I've seen a lot of different qualifiers. Hopefully we can make a list of those someday for the new project. 8.5 COBA gloss first. Here we go. Here we go. We got another black box that started with gloss. And the way you can prove this is you can probably drill down on the back, and I'm guessing it's in the non-1985. So you drill down on the back of 1980. It's 1985 ink. Okay, wow. That is early. And WADA calls it a 1986. Now, this is where WADA gives you priceless variant knowledge. So if you come over from sports cards, this is a no-brainer. You check the date first, right? You want to know if it's an 86, 87, 88. The mock rider has a copyright on the back of 85, but it says 1986 based upon WADA data. And that's correct because it's a gloss. And I do believe that was released in 86, but it could have been produced in 85. It's very confusing. Let's look at uh, Donkey Kong 3. Same deal, 1986 on the front based on the water timeline. And then on the back, if you drill down on the bottom, it says copyright 1985 registered trademark. So Nintendo is the only registered trademark at the time. Entertainment system is not registered. That's definitely early. Again, registered means a circle with an R, circle R. We got an imp coming up. And this, this is interesting. Is this the one with the 9.0 box? I can't remember. Yeah, this is really interesting because this is the first time I think that we're going to see a CIB go off based upon the box grade itself because it's got the wrong manual and the wrong cart. The manual on the back says IMP, improperly married parts, NESTM manual, NESTM cart. So you and I both know if it says NESTM, in other words, a small white TM after entertainment system, it can't be early, but the box is a gloss. The box is early. The carton manual came late. It's a mismatched type of deal. So this is all based on the box. How much is an SMB one second print box worth in quote unquote near mint condition? Well, at least $20,000. Last time I seen one of those go off on Heritage, I feel like it was a gloss box and manual only duo raw. I think it did 10 grand or less couple more we have coming up tomorrow. Looks like we got a Wild Gumman 90 CIB. Wow, second production. That's a really high grade because you're talking about three components averaging. And if you're new to the hobby or new to CIB, Vinny, the way you calculate grading on CIB is you take 50% of the box grade, you take 30% of the cart grade, you take 20% of the manual grade, and if you land on the midpoint, in other words, if you land on 8.75 you get rounded up to 9.0 if you land on 9.25 actually 9.3 you would get rounded up to 9.4 if you land on 8.75 you round up to 9.0 the best way to do this is to build a little spreadsheet three boxes and in the the box grade you put equals that times 0.5 cart you put 0.3 manual you put 0.2 you add those three numbers up and then you round it off to the second digit. I hope that makes sense. If you need more help on building a little spreadsheet for your business or for calculating CIB grades, hit me up directly. I'm happy to help. Wild Gudman, 8.5 box, 9.0 cart, 9.0 manual. So you see right there, 
you basically on the carton manual, you're getting a 4.5 overall. And then on the box, you're getting a 4.25. So 4.5 plus 4.25 is 8.75. And you get rounded up to nine overall. So it's not a strong nine. It's a solid nine, right? Currently at $1,000. Donkey Kong 37.5 gloss sticker hang tab first production. Um, why is that there twice? Oh, that's in three days? Wow, that's bizarre. Huh. We have two Donkey Kong 3 first productions coming up at auction. And Heritage, for some reason, called the signature one a gloss sticker first production, but calls the... Is that a weekly? Three days. I guess that's a weekly. We got a hang tab gloss sticker first production. I wish they didn't write hang tab because it's not really a hang tab. All stickers have hang tabs. Duck Hunt, 7.5 gloss. Second production going off in three days. And then a 6.0 gloss going off, let's say, August 16th. And then a 6.0. Hmm, I wonder if this is my old copy. Wow, there's a 6.0 gloss sticker. I had one of these. Man, that looks familiar. Yeah, the sticker wasn't the best. And the sticker says void. I don't think I had this one. On the back, you're going to see no code in the upper left. You're going to see no code in the lower right under NESGP. And this has a 5.0 box 7.7. So that's about it for stickers, hang tabs, ovals, rounds. My rule of thumb, this is my opinion, that you should always focus on early, long run. If you're in this long run, I believe that most of the action that has occurred and the prices are coming down, the big money that was spent was spent on high grade. I think in the long run, the big money is going to move towards earliest, highest grade. Not highest grade, but earliest, highest grade. That's what Brady did when he went after the SMB, either fourth, fifth, or sixth print and paid $2 million for the 9.8. That's a lot different than, let's say, an oval um, or like a Zelda that just went off today for over $300,000, 9.6, but it was a round seal of quality. Yet, if you look at the global timeline, it was a sixth print. I'm not saying you can get a first print sealed. No, you can't. You're probably not going to get a 9.6 second print, first retail release in Japan. You might get a third print in Japan, 9.6 range. You're never going to get a first print American 9.68. You're probably not going to get a second print 9.68, no Reve with the R after the TM on an entertainment system. So really, this is the earliest, best 9.6 A plus or higher so far, right? And let's verify that on the pop report before I start spewing here. I don't want to mislead you. What is the highest graded Zelda? Yes, it's it's the Made in Japan Classic series, which is basically the two, four, six, eight. It's like the ninth print or the tenth print. If you if you delete the tenth print data, there's five ovals and then the round that came today isn't on the pop report so that's the earliest mint zelda that went off today if you consider 9.4 near mint and i think the hobby is still shaking out condition as well clearly 9.8 has a place it's a premium it's a premium grade i'm seeing the spreads widen today i could not believe the difference between the 9.8 smash um, There's another title. I can't remember. Was it Mario Kart or somebody? There was a 9.8 and then it was followed up by a 9.6 or something. Maybe not Mario Kart, but clearly the spreads are getting wide. 
like they are in sports cards and Pokemon and anything PSA. The difference between PSA 10 and PSA 9, I think, is like 90% value sometimes. I'm not saying that a video game from 9.8 to 9.6 is worth 90% less, but we are seeing a big shift in the hobby towards 9.8 kind of being the gem mint grade and then 9.6 being the mint grade, whereas before 9.6 and 9.8 were the mint grade. I think moving forward, the 9.8 is really the mint grade. Gem mint doesn't exist. That's a unicorn. Not much of a premium today on Wolverine, um, Tiger, Tigger, whatever that Disney game. That's just an anomaly. Um, I don't think that's a good data point because not many people are going to be sending in shooting for a 9698. But on Wolverine, you've got a ton of 98s. You got a 10. The 10 did not do 2x, 3x of the 98s. The question is, where did the 96 land after today, right? Are they a third of the 10? Are they 10% of the 10? They should be 10% of the 10, almost. So I think we're seeing a spread between the highest grade and the next highest grade. That's definitely an evolution I'm seeing happening live right in front of my eyes. This is new. Usually in the hobby before, we're talking mint was 9.6A plus and above and 9.8A A plus for sure. A plus plus for sure. 9.8A. Yeah, I think that used to be mint. Tomorrow, I have no idea. I have no idea if singers... 9.4A or A plus Zelda, top of the pop earliest, TM. I would rather have that all day over the 9.6, you know, Rev A that went off today for 300. But is that a mint game? I don't even know if it matters. In video games, I think earliest, highest is always going to be Diamond Hand, Unicorn, Trophy Grail. Because those people are never going to let go. So we are basically fighting for what's left. And today that that shine through with Zelda no rev which is a third print american sixth print global and a fifth print retail so i'm really excited because you you guys know i'm a, a bull on zelda i think zelda is miyamoto's masterpiece i think the moral of the story there is stick to your earliest possible highest grade it's okay sometimes if it is a third print but it's got to be up there in the grade 96A plus is the new, you know, 98 in cardboard because Diamond Hands has swallowed the supply. And then if it's if it's a B plus, sometimes it makes sense. That's what Pete and Nerdy Girl did with the other TM. You know, there's really only three out there. There's an eight, a nine, two, I believe, and then the singer nine four. So you either go for what's available early or you go for something higher a little bit later. But I would recommend against going way later for eye candy unless it's something like an anomaly like Call of Duty MW2. Um, I've been buying the NFRs thinking, well, there's probably not any mint first prints. And I was right when the Instagram post went up two days ago. Dan from uh, WADA Games, he's heading up the database division. And by the way, WADA split the grading team into three teams. One only authenticates the game. All they do all day long is say, this is a real game. This is a reseal. This is a fake. Then they pass on the real games to the next team. The next team grades the game. That's all they do. They just assign a grade. They don't worry about the variant or anything like that. Then they pass that along to the final team that finishes out the label, puts in the database, fills out the pop report, and tries to simplify everything for us because they're dropping free knowledge every day for free. 
when we go dynamic, you're talking about 24-7 free knowledge, right? I don't know if it's like that for sports cards. I think everybody can get first editions, rookies, first appearances in comics. In games, it's very, very difficult. You can't buy your way in because there's a lot of data that does not show up on the pop reports, that does not show up in social media unless you're really connected. You're in these groups. You're spending hours and hours and hours. You cannot buy knowledge. And that's why I'm giving it away for free. Because I think the more knowledge I give away for free, the hobby gets bigger, the excitement grows. You realize that relationships, relationships are relationships. That's what it's all about. It's about making friends and helping people in a wonderfully deep hobby that's almost infinite in terms of how many rabbit holes you can dive down and lose a couple years in, come out the other side, and then start over again as a newbie in another rabbit hole. You can never really get tired of this hobby because there's just too much nuance. We're talking about trying to figure out where hardware and software was produced, when it was produced, how it was produced. And it's it's almost like, you know, um, trying to figure out the variance on a, a printer or an old laptop or something that got produced in the millions and millions of units and trying to match a manual with the box it came in, with the styrofoam that it came on. We're talking about electronics here. Electronics are very sophisticated and complicated and, and involve um, art in terms of the code. And the code ends up on a board and the board gets date stamped. And that's where it all starts. And that's why I think you got to think about masterpieces. I think that's where I'm evolving to. You've got your trophies and your unicorns. That usually has to do with condition, rarity, and scarcity. But then you've got masterpieces, things that have organic demand from everybody and anyone. And those are tied to giants, players, power players like Miyamoto or the Bungie boys that started Halo in a dorm room. These are stories that I think this hobby can tell for decades. I think that's where the hobby's going. This is freedom of speech. Try something new. Play life like a video game and think to yourself, if you had to pick a George Lucas, a Steven Spielberg, um, a founding member of ACDC or Def Leppard or a Kurt Cobain or a Beatles, a John Lennon, an auteur, if you had to pick an auteur in the hobby, who would you want to do business with, spend time with, pick their brain, have coffee with? Would it be a Miyamoto? Would it be one of these amazing American artists that were hired that were hired guns literally to do the artwork on the Nintendo boxes like the top gun we had go off today in the five figures? Would it be like one of those artists you'd want to sit down and have coffee with? Or would it be an entrepreneur like the guy who started Heritage or the president of Sony that said, "You know what Miyamoto, I want you to work with Gunpei Yokoi. Rest in peace." I want you two to work together on your first arcade cabinet, Donkey Kong. Before you release Mario to the world over in America, I want you to, you know, let Gunpei Yokoi-san supervise you. And if he signs off on the project, I'm going to sign off. That's who I would want to sit down with, is the president of Nintendo. And I would have a trillion questions to ask. So play life like a video game. Pick up a new factor or strategy or tactic in developing the investing mindset. Start thinking out three, five, ten years beyond this recession. And then 
decide amongst yourself and your family what matters to you. Does nostalgia really matter as much as you've been dropping money in the past? Or have you been just going with the clubhouse crowd or going with the YouTube crowd or going with the Facebook crowd and FOMOing your portfolio? Is there other factors that in your gut, in the back of your mind, have been kind of tapping on your brain going, are you sure about that purchase? Did you get a little emotional on that beautiful red button at Heritage? What about historical? What about the artwork? What about the scarcity of the first print manuals, for example? What about the inserts in the game? What about CIB? Have I been overlooking CIB? It's, it's performed the best in terms of stability, and I haven't even bought a piece yet. What about early? In nostalgia. Well, if I'm going to go early, well, what about games that were released in other regions, such as GTA, released in the UK first, or a lot of the heavy-hitting Nintendos, released in uh, Japan first, or some exclusive titles to Europe? What about the Master System over in Europe? Because that blew up over there harder than Nintendo. There's so many rabbit holes to jump in. So jump in a new rabbit hole. Get rid of this depression and this recession and learn something new. If you found value in today's podcast, you can support me by going to patreon.com backslash power collectors, buy me a lunch. The other way you can support me is by DMing me a request for an analyst report. It's a beta project I'm working on, just like a Wall Street firm's report um, that looks at a position long run and, and recommends to brokers and investors whether they should not jump in or not. That's a product I'm going to be working on in the new holding company we're trying to put together called Slabrock. And I'm open to Pokemon. I'm open to sports cards. I'm thinking about doing a Mickey Mantle report. I'm thinking about doing a Honus Wagner report, a Charizard report. Uh, whatever it may be, maybe I'm excited if there's people out there that would like an analyst report. And I did a beta on Super Smash, and I think Super Smash pretty much smashed it out of the park today. So I guess uh, my report was spot on because I recommended to my little group of buddies that uh, they should get into Super Smash before this copy went off today. So thank you for listening. Good luck bidding tomorrow and the next day on a buyer's market at Heritage Auctions Summer Signature 2022.